morning, ladies and gentlemen. So glad for you to join us once again on the How to Bible podcast. My name is Levi. I am the host of this podcast. Please start your day off right with us every day on the How to Bible podcast. We discuss everything from parenting, end times events, and everything in between. Join us as we walk in grace and learn in love. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the How to Bible podcast. My name is Levi. I'm the host of this podcast, and I'm really excited uh, to be here with you. Um, I've, I think I've recorded this podcast like three different times now, and each time I've been unsatisfied with, <laughs> with the way it's turned out. Um, and I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before, in that in that part of your life, in that phase of your life where things just like you're just not into things like you're just not into it like i'm not into work and i'm not into you know working out right now and running like i normally do i'm just i'm just in that kind of blah uh part of my life and and it's frustrating for somebody like me to to be in a position like that because i am a very um, focused individual. When I get focused on something, it becomes my world. It becomes my life. I, I do everything. I do everything to the fullest. Um, I commit myself completely to something uh, and almost to a detriment. I know in times I've committed myself to certain things and it has adversely affected uh, my family life and my relationships. And that's kind of my cross to bear, uh, trying to balance my life and try to balance uh, how I do things and how I operate within those relationships, and that's just kind of my mood right now. That's that's where I'm at. I just don't have that that zeal uh, for my relationship with the Lord right now, um, or my relationship with other people. Uh, I don't really want to hang out, um, and I wouldn't go as far as to call it depression. It's just like a lack of passion. And I know at times we all experience it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I think our society does a really great job of overstimulating the snot out of us, whether that be through social media, whether that be through uh, television. Um, our mind is always occupied with something. Uh, there's something always in the forefront of our mind, and we end up with you know decision fatigue. We end up with uh, anxiety attacks, panic attacks. Uh, we end up with all these things, and all of these things are um, side effects of our brain being so incredibly active and overstimulated. Um, but getting back to to what I said initially is I'm just not I'm just not feeling it. So what do we do then? What do we do as as Christians when we just when we just not feel it? We're not feeling it. Like I'm just not as passionate about getting up and reading my Bible or spending time in prayer or whatever. Like what are we supposed to do? And I think one of the best things that we can do, one of the things um, that would really put us in the best position is to remind ourselves that God is the one who draws near to us. We don't draw near to him. He comes to us. Okay, we are we're broken. We're fallen creatures. Uh, we're constantly in a state of, of sin. Uh, so God is the one who draws near to us. He, he promises that. He's the one who calls us out. He's the one who brings us to salvation. Um, and he's the one who carries and maintains us through salvation, right? Scripture time and time again reinforces that if God is who he says he is, he should in fact be uh, sovereign over all things, right? He is the apex. He is the the beginning and the end. Everything has origin with him. Therefore, 
It only makes sense for God to be the one that holds and contains my salvation and carries me. So what are we supposed to do in those moments when you're just not, you're not feeling it? I'm going to read through some of these promises, some of these statements from the Old Testament and from the New Testament about God's promises to draw near to his people. Now remember that God is very passionate about his own glory, about himself. Now, I, there's there's some danger in, in that statement to, to run to the sinful end of that and say, oh, God is just this narcissistic creature up in the sky, and he's all about himself. And in a way, that's true. God is all about himself. He's all about his own passion and his glory and how that affects the world that he's created. However, um, our natural tendency is to go to sinful things and not holy things. For instance, um, uh, sinful uh, would be to say that God is a narcissist, that he's this capricious deity who's got a magnifying glass in his hands and he's trying to burn off our feelers or, or whatever. Um, but the holy side of that, um, about God being jealous and pursuing his own glory, is, is like the relationship between a man and a woman who are married. Right? I know that my wife's love and affection belongs to me. It rightfully belongs to me because I am the one that is pledged to be here with her and do life with her. So if I feel like she's giving it away in another capacity, I become jealous. Now, is that jealous, jealousy sinful? Not inherently, but when it grows and, and expands out of you know, its normal proportion— uh, and that normal proportion would bring our relationship back together, would reconcile our relationship, then it becomes sinful. But God is passionate about his own glory, and he's passionate in such a way um, that he will do whatever it takes to preserve that or to display it for humanity, to show how good that he is. So let's start away, start right away uh, in Exodus here. Exodus 29, verse 46 says, And they shall know that I am the Lord their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt, that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Obviously, this is talking about the, the Exodus, right? The Jewish people coming out of Egypt. Uh, but God does this. Why? And it says right here, uh, that I might dwell among them. So he wants us to know that he is God and hang our, our hat on that, so to speak. Like he wants us to put our confidence in who he is. When we misplace our confidence— when we misplace our confidence and we put it on ourselves and we fall short, there is nothing else to fall back on. It's all on us and we have failed. We have such a, a uh, Swiss cheese record uh, of performance and failure and success that it would be foolish and foolhardy to rely solely on ourselves. Therefore, we put our confidence in God like he wants us to, knowing that his track record is perfect. All right, he's fully sovereign. He's... He's the originator of all things. We can count on him. He is the God of abundance, not the God of scarcity. 1 Kings uh, 6, verse 13. And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will not forsake my people, Israel. And God, over and over again in the Old Testament, in the Psalms, continues to reiterate how he is the one that's going to carry Israel, that he is not going to forsake his his believers, his, his people, his nation, uh, let's go to uh, Isaiah. We read the one on Isaiah uh, 57, 15, uh, about the contrite and lowly spirit. Um, Jeremiah 14, uh, verse 9, it says, Yet you, O Lord, are in the midst of us, and we are called by your name. Do not leave us. James 4, 8 says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. There are promises over and over again in Scripture 
in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New, of God's desire to draw near to us. Now, maybe you're like me, and you've been struggling with sin in your life. You, maybe you're in a rut right now, and it's just the cyclical sin over and over, and you just can't seem to break it. You have to get back to reading the Bible. They say that the Bible, um, the Bible will keep people from sin, and sin will, sin will keep people from the Bible. Okay, so getting back into the Word, even though you're in this this sinful lifestyle, reading God's words, getting that into your heart, that will He will continue to mold and shape you. So eventually, these cyclical things in your life will uh, begin the process of correcting themselves. Maybe you're struggling with an addiction, or maybe you're you're struggling through a, a bad relationship. You're not too far gone. Okay, you're you're never too far gone for God. You look at the people in Scripture, the ones that God chose to use time and time again, and these individuals were really fallen worldly people, murderers. And um, you look at Paul, who was going through the old world, and he was torturing people, and he was dragging Christians out into the street and having them stoned, and, and God used him. Um, God used Peter, who would go out and deny Christ three times, uh, who was a violent man. He cut the ear off the, the, the temple guardsmen in, in the garden when they came to get Jesus. So God will use anyone who is willing, anyone who's willing at all. Here are some things, um, some promises if you're, if you're struggling with sin in your life. Second Chronicles 30 verse 9 says, For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. Now, I want you to understand in verses like that when it says, if you return to him, it's not like a, a, a large journey. God doesn't want you to clean up your life. He doesn't want you to try to get right before you come and see him. He wants you to come just as you are. He wants you to bring all your trash, all your addiction, bring your detox with you, bring your, your children with you, bring all the stuff that's just trailing in our wake from maybe bad decisions that we've made or things that have just been handed to us. Um, he wants you to bring that all to him. Go to Psalm uh, 69, verse 33. For the Lord hears the needy and does not despise his own people who are prisoners. And we all are. We're prisoners to sin. You know, we're prisoners to addictions. And we're struggling every day. I mean, the vast majority of us are just trying to survive the day. You're just trying to get through the day. And I want you to know that there's enough grace for you. There's enough grace for you out there to cover those things. When we return to him, he wipes that slate clean. And we begin that, that, that process. Jeremiah 3, verse 22. Return, O faithless sons. I will heal your faithlessness. Behold, we come to you, for you are the Lord our God. Hosea 14, and it's going to be verse... Four. I will hear, I'm sorry, I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. Wow, that's one that definitely is worthy of being written down. I will heal their apostasy. Apostasy is a falling away of the faith or a forgetting or a leaving of the faith. I will love them freely, so without cost, without uh, due, without owing anything. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from them. Ezekiel 22, verse 15. I will consume 
your uncleanness out of you. Look, I I wasn't raised in the church. Uh, I I didn't live a clean churchy life. Um, I, I dealt with drugs, addiction. I dealt with the whole gamut of things in my life. But I can tell you this: that if God can use somebody like me, and and do what he's done, because he's done some some pretty incredible things, and I'm just standing in awe that I get a chance to be part of a lot of these things. Um, if he can work through somebody like me, real talk, he can work through you, okay? That's one of the benefits of, of like me knowing my own history and, and knowing where I came from is that I look at myself and I'm like, man, God can use anybody. <laughs> if, he can, if he can do this with me, he can, he can use anybody, and I believe it. I believe that God can. Now, like I said, if you're struggling with something, if you're anxious and you're fighting through something, return to him. Some of the best practical steps that you can make is one, find a local church, okay? And when you get there, find somebody who's on staff or volunteering and grab them and say, look, this is what I'm struggling with. Like, can I get into a discipleship relationship with somebody that can just walk with me through it? You know, a lot of times uh, people in the church, they get so focused on doing the ministry that they forget that there's ministry happening right in front of them in their relationships. And sometimes it takes us to just pull on their shoulder and say, look, I, I need your attention here. So that's one of the first things that you can do is you can go to the church and get plugged into a discipleship relationship. Two, um, get yourself into a, a small group of some kind uh, within the church. Uh, small groups are, are really simple. Usually these things meet at people's homes. And uh, they, they, you know, bring pastries and food and you sit down and eat and, and then you talk about something that was either taught Sunday in church or uh, something out of a book that the church is reading. Uh, and it gives a great opportunity to have like real relationships, to be real with people. And that's the last thing that brings me to the last point. When you do this, ladies and gentlemen, just be real, okay? Um, I was talking to a guy at work the other day and I said, you know, it looks like for the, for the most part, it looks like everybody's got their stuff together. Everybody knows what they're doing. and But the reality is, is we're all faking it. None of us have an idea of what's going on. Uh, or what we want to do, or where we're going, and we just, we don't. We're all kind of along this this journey and this trip in life, and the more transparent we can be with each other, the more open we can be, uh, especially when we're getting into these relationships within the church, when we're, when we're seeking that comfort uh, from God. We need to be transparent. Just lay it all on the table and take a deep breath and sigh of relief and move forward. I know things are hard. I know that you know, there, there are probably people out there saying, Levi, you don't know my you don't know my situation. You don't know how bad I got it. No, I don't. I don't. But I would love to know. I would love to know what's going on in your life and in what way that I can pray for you, um, in what way that our church can pray for you. Um, but I want you to know that you have a voice. You have a voice and you're not forgotten. It may feel like it. It may feel like there's no hope. But there's always hope. We have to reposition ourselves. We have to move some things around. But there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. The Lord said that he would never leave nor forsake us. Never, right? Whether that be a good season or a bad season, um, he doesn't regret saving you. He doesn't regret extending himself to you. So for the glory of the Lord and the hope of the nations, stay the course.